Hey, very good morning to you. I come in to today's programme. Mr. Dar O'Brien sits after me today. We get to him quite shortly on today's programme also. How do you fancy, doesn't matter what age you are, going into an apprenticeship? Ken Farrer joins us on that. We're also speaking with Russell Beck today on the programme. He has a wonderful book out and uh, we'll be talking about that. We'll also be talking about health today and when it comes to measles and or otherwise. We have Galway Greats as well and today we've got Paul Hughes from the Abbey Glen Castle Hotel and Clifton, all of that and more between now and 12 midday. Comment lines are open if you want to get through to us on 086 38 33 53. It's Monday. Good morning. Now the Minister Darrell Bryan sits after me today on a whistle stop tour of Galway City. Minister, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Thanks for joining us no, uh, today on the programme. You have you have a full day today and I want to go through them very quickly mm-hmm. with you on a few other issues that have come the way as well. You're heading to Galway Port and the Land Development Agency and yourself, you're meeting there shortly. Does that mean there's housing going into the port? It does and I'm delighted. Um, the transfer of land for phase one uh, on the port and your listeners will know what a significant site that is. That will provide about 200 homes. So the Land Development Agency has been working very, very closely with with the Harbour Company Mm. and uh, the Port Authority. And that's really significant. Like that's a walkable site into the city, a fantastic site. It's a beautiful site, beautiful place to be living. Magnificent. Idle for too long. So Mm. it's great to actually see this happening. So this is really the the phase one transfer. And that will provide about 200 affordable and social homes there for people. Uh, And then... We're in negotiations for phase two, and they've been going really well. Phase two would be about 900 homes. So, When you say negotiations, I mean, it's all government land. It is, yeah. No, we've just got to work it through. Like, you know, in relation to handover, there's legals to, to be done. But I have to say, I want to commend uh, the the Galway Harbour, Harbour Company as well for for the really constructive way in which they've they've actually been dealing with us and the Land Development Agency. So it's... Uh, you know, we're seeing the LDA really ramp up right the way across the mm. country. And, like, when I came in as minister... They'd no money, they'd no legislation, they'd no homes. Uh, we're we're now um, in a situation where we've to add additional capital to the LDA because they're delivering homes now on, you know, a lot of state-owned land yeah. that people would look at and say, why is that idle? So it's great to see this in Galway, really significant, um, really really significant. So I'm visiting there uh, today, just after I finish with with, with yourself. And um, when will those houses be available? I mean, when will you break ground? Well, I would expect them to they'd be breaking ground this, this year, I would expect. Do they have to go for planning or are they exempt from planning? No, they won't, wouldn't be exempt. There's planning, but there's master plans done for the area already. So like we know what will be going in each individual site. So the LDA will bring that forward. And I'll have an opportunity this morning to discuss those plans further with, with the Land Development Agency, Chief Executive John Coleman and, and others. But very significant uh, for Galway City uh, to be able to provide homes right in the heart of the city. And that's mm. been one of the issues uh, here in Galway, thankfully, oh, since 2020, we've seen a significant increase in the number of new homes being built in Galway City and County, uh, just over 4,600, which is up significantly, about 60% on the previous three years, the three years preceding that. So we're going in the right direction, but we still have more to do, as they say. And um, this site here is not just significant on the base of housing, but also for what it will mean to the city and bringing families back into the city as well. You know? mm. Now, I mean, Galway City is doing extremely well. Um, some of it's on the east side of the city, mm-hmm. but you're also going to the Monavir Road yes. where there's uh, 102 homes uh, beginning. It's a massive job, so it is. Uh, 28 of them cost rental, 41 social housing, 33 homes for the elderly homeless people and those with disability. That's a big development. It, it really is. And, you know, that's been a partnership with ourselves, Galway, um, 
the local authorities here and also to a housing. So we're turning the sod on that today. So like building work is starting. Um, just over 100 homes, as you've mentioned. Really pleased to see Cost Rental getting a good footprint here in Galway as mm-hmm. well, which is basically for listeners state back to affordable rents. So for people above the social housing limits that we guarantee the rents will be at least 25% below market. So do they have to be on the housing list? No. You, no. No, no, no. And this is specifically, it's a new form of tenure that I brought in. We've about 3,000 tenancies approved across the country. How do you get on that list? Well, basically, when each when each um, scheme is ready, uh, the scheme opens for applications. There's certain criteria. So the criteria in the main is that your net income for a household, and this is net, would be 59,000 or less, uh, but above the social housing limit. So it's for working families and individuals and um, the long-term secure tenure, so a 50-year tenure. So you don't. there's no concern about getting a letter from a landlord saying I have to sell the property and mm. you have to move somewhere else. It's been really, really a popular form of, of, of tenure for people and we've seen every scheme that we've opened being over, oversubscribed substantially. What's important about this one for Galway is it giving us our footprint on cost rental and we want to do more of it and we will. So that's supported under a fund I brought forward called the Affordable Housing Fund and we legislated for that under the Affordable Housing Act. So it was great to see you bring you know, new laws through and new legislation, but then you actually see the effect of that on the ground that now we're going to be able to to, to build those cost rental homes okay. along with really good social and, as you've mentioned already, uh, homes for the elderly mm. as well. So a significant development of over 100 homes there in Monavay. Um You're going to the Kent Station side. I mean, that's a major investment in that. But is there housing involved in that? No, um, but what that will greatly improve the transport infrastructure in the city, not just for trains, but also for buses. It's about a 70 million euro investment. Um, 20 million plus of which is coming from my own department through the Urban Regeneration Development Fund and the rest from the National Transport Authority. So you know, the, in fairness to, to the authorities there as well, you know, there and Bus Aaron and that, that, we've worked collaboratively to bring that plan together. Work has already started there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will, it will improve the transport links, the public transport links within the city and county of Galway and very importantly improve the facilities there. Your listeners will know Can Station well as I do too and it does need and upgrading. So this is an investment by okay. this government in that of just short of 70 million euro. Can I ask you then, just in relation to um, the new population coming into this country, where are they going to be housed? I mean, they're still in tents, some of them. And mm. I mean, in legislation, it's been spoken about that they shouldn't be in tents, but if it's not there for people that are being landlords terminating homes and otherwise, where are these people going to live eventually? Well, it speaks to the chat. Thankfully, firstly, our population is growing, and that's yeah. good, right? And we're also, housing output is growing substantially. Since I came in as minister, we've built over 100,000 new homes. We do have new people arriving. We've Obviously, people will know we've we've had between people fleeing persecution and, and war in Ukraine and other areas, we've had over 100,000 people. In, in but how do you look after both? That sector that's coming in and mm-hmm. see them on the streets of Dublin in tents in the papers over the weekend mm-hmm. and our own indigenous people that are finding it very difficult to survive. Sure. Well, it's a challenge. There's no question about that. I think firstly, just to stand back and look at it, is that we've been able to accommodate an additional 100,000 people in less than two years. Uh, and that hasn't been without its challenges. At a it's, cost. Uh, certainly at a cost, but it's the right thing for us to do. And mm-hmm. I think as, as, a, as a country and as a people, we understand from our own history uh, the, what, what it's like to have been persecuted and have to flee one's own country and seek safe harbour elsewhere. There have been challenges. We need to ensure that, that there's better engagement with communities as well in relation to, to providing accommodation. But we have a number of ways of doing that. We've, we have provided additional, additional homes on state lands as well. 
uh, rapid build homes that are there, refurbishment of existing properties. But it's very difficult to, to predict, Keith, who will come in, in in any given week of the year. And that's the challenge that the Department of Children and Integration have had and our own local so authorities as well. There is an unknown, yeah. frankly. Like we, can, I couldn't predict how many people next week will come in. Uh, what we've got to do, uh, in the main, it's been done well. No one wants to see anyone in tents, be they people you know, from Ireland or, or indeed from abroad. But we're working hard as a government there to provide that additional accommodation. And we've done that in the main. But it is not without its challenges, uh, certainly. In relation to housing, I'm just looking here at a Net Zero Cities programme which will aim to support Galway City Council's mm-hmm. overall goal of reducing greenhouse gas. I mean, we're wor- worried about greenhouse gas, which we have to be, I suppose, really. Um, but yet, I mean, there's far bigger pressures on us Right now. Yeah, I think what that speaks to as well is how we can use existing um, homes that are vacant. Um, I brought forward a vacancy grant and a derelict grant, the Creek Home yeah. uh, one, and we've had in Galway actually just short of 400 applications for that. So 400 vacant and derelict properties that we're able to give a grant of up to €70,000 for individuals and families to buy them, bring them back mm. into use. About 168 of them approved already, uh, 6,000 across the country. Um, that's not insignificant. Why I mention that is because that is the best way for us to deliver. We need to deliver new homes, but we need to look at the homes that are there already, yeah. commercial properties that can be uh, converted. Yeah. And, and that makes a lot of sense from a sustainability perspective. Like I'm meeting with the, uh, the, to endorse the Galway Charter this morning as well, which was a really good plan that I saw last year, a collaboration of the Royal Institute of Architects and others about planning Galway and to 2050, yeah. looking how we can better use the land make our cities better walkable, accessible cities, mm-hmm. the 15-minute cities. And that speaks to what we're doing in the docks that we discussed at the start of the interview. Yeah. That you'll have families and individuals well-located within the city with good public transport links that can work and live right in our city cores. And anyone who walks around, you know, Galway as well, you just look up, look above, see what's above the shops, the spaces that are there, how we can use them better and actually get them in, into use. There's nobody living in those. No one. But later this month, um, one of the complications has been there is effectively fire regulations. And we've done a big piece of work on that. And at the end of this month, I'll be publishing a new set of guidelines there that that I believe will make it a lot easier for us to be able to convert those spaces into apartments uh, for people to live in, uh, whilst ensuring that they're safe from a fire perspective. A couple of quick questions. Keith, can you ask the Minister, why is the government, uh, as a government, favouring house building instead of apartment building in general? Surely apartments are more cost effective overall. I spoke to a builder and he said he would never build apartments again. It's too long to wait to get return on investment. Yeah, well, we're building apartments again now. Your listeners, right? We haven't been for a long number of years. Um, I've brought forward an apartment activation fund that actually applies here in Galway too, the Creekona Cities Fund. And we've seen uh, effectively what that does is bridge the viability gap between you know, uh, the cost of building an apartment and what you can sell it for. And actually because of the exacting standards that we have here in Ireland, and rightly so, I would, would put it that... A lot of apartment developments heretofore have been uh, challenging insofar as making them viable to, to build and sell at a rate that people can buy at. So what I'm providing is a, a, a viability um, subvention of up to 144000 per apartment. So you can build the apartment and sell it for that amount lower than that so people can actually access it. It does make sense. Like We've got to use, make better use of the land that we have to make sure there's good quality densified developments. There's also different ways of doing it. Like we've, you you can have good densified development on an own door basis as well, mm. um, with just with better design. And I've brought forward those guidelines uh, and published them actually last month. 
So there, I suppose with all the questions and what we've covered in a short space of time, it does speak to the challenges that are there. There's not one thing fixes housing. What I would say uh, to you and to your listeners is, undoubtedly there's very good progress being made. Now, everyone's yeah. not feeling that yet, but if I look at first-time buyers, they're back up to levels that we haven't seen since 2006. We're tackling vacancy. We're building more social homes now than we've done for over 50 years. Uh, and that is really good. And I look at Galway specifically between the city and the county. We're seeing, like in the city, social housing waiting lists down over 10%. In the county, social housing waiting lists actually down 18.6%. Um, you know, so that's just since 2019. That's because of the work that's been done by ourselves, but by Galway City and Galway County Council with partners like TUA and the approved yeah. housing bodies delivering more. So we can, so we're making progress, but we've got to keep that momentum going. And we're investing as a state, Keith, like this year, and rightly so on behalf of our citizens, over 5 billion euro in housing. It's unprecedented. Yeah. Uh, it's needed. Uh, and we'll continue to do that. And certainly I, as housing minister, as long as I'm here, and this government will continue to invest in good, affordable, good social homes for our people. Finally, the local elections are coming and um, housing is going to dominate that mm -hmm. for the councillors that you'll be meeting sure. today. Uh, the Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, right across the board, whoever gets elected. It is going to be a challenge for them because the progress is so slow. Well, I would put it, and we've excellent councillors here, many of whom I know personally. Um, we'll stand on our record of delivery that since this government came in, uh, to, to office, we've built over 100,000 new homes. Um, we've taken a, a sea change, there has been a step change, excuse me, in, in housing delivery, both social and affordable. We've discussed some examples here this morning. I think people can see that. We've still got more to do, but what I would, I think our government councillors, uh, certainly my own party colleagues as well, are going to be able to point to what we've actually done and the fact that we've, we've set out a plan, we funded it and we're delivering it. And when you look at the alternative that's there, uh, an alternative that has no plan and no funding assigned to it, uh, I think that our councillors are going to be able to stand on a very strong record of delivery. One other thing, if I could mention, in relation to local and European elections, are obviously coming up in, in June. Before that, though, we've our referenda mm -hmm. on, on the 8th of March, and actually tomorrow is the last day for, for people to register, uh, to vote for that. So I would just remind listeners that it is, it's important. Bunrock Naharan is important to us all and sets down the principles uh, for how we operate as a state and, a, and as a people. And I firmly believe that modernizing, um, you know, our, our, our language and our objectives around carers, making sure that carers are, are, yeah. in, are in the Constitution. But did you rush into that wording because strive rather than ensure is part of the debate we had last week? No, I know that. I, I actually, um, I've engaged with it as a citizen myself, not just as a cabinet yeah. member. And uh, I believe that that over, over the coming weeks now of, the, of this campaign, that we will be able to continue to explain that uh, to people or what's important. If you take for our carers, for argument's sake, people who, thousands of people across the country do incredible work for either family members or can care for their family members or other individuals, it's right and proper, yeah. in my view, that, that their rights are enshrined in the Constitution. It's also right and proper as a modern um, society and as a modern country that we recognise that families... Uh, you know, have different compositions and that they're respected too. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that's the changes that we're seeking to make and I'm strongly advocating for, for two yes votes on the, on the 8th of March. There's so many other questions but you sure. have to go, unfortunately. Um, they're waiting for you at the Port of Galway. I mean, a lot coming in about refugees and where they're going to be and the housing and what happened in Galway and fires and others. Mm -hmm. I mean, the screen is literally on fire over this, but I mean... 
I'd, I'd be, I, I understand we're, we're restricted time-wise here this morning. More than happy I've been on your show a number of times to come back and to answer additional yeah. questions. I just want to assure listeners and the people here in Galway that we are making progress uh, on housing. Uh, work continues. We're working very hard on that. Uh, people will see that momentum that's out there. There'll always be challenges. I just came back from a meeting in Brussels the week before last talking to European housing ministers and the challenges that we have uh, are similar and in many instances much more uh, you know, you know, much more difficult. Like yeah, we, but I think what you're saying, this progress has been made. The LDA are doing what they're doing. The LDA are uh, right behind us here, putting in 3,000 units eventually. Mm-hmm. So I think once there's, once there's uh, an effort made to educate people and tell them what's happening and they see it on the ground, absolutely, they may just settle. Ab- but it's still going to be a rocky road for the councillors going for election. Yeah, I th- look, I, I served as a councillor before, and that's the beauty of democracy as well, is that people get to have their say. They get to, to have their say on who they want representing them, but uh, people also are uh, are fair-minded, can see the work that's being done. I value local democracy, and um, the role of our councillors is really important, and I know many of our, our councillors here in Galway City and County, my own Fianna Fáil party colleague, co- colleagues in particular, who work night and day on behalf of their constituents, and mm. I'm certain that they will be going out there um, not just putting forward the record of their delivery, which has been impressive, but what their plans are for the next council term as well. Okay. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Come back in again. Thank I you for joining will. us. Minister Dar O'Brien, um, very good morning to you. Thank you for joining us and good luck with the rest of the day in Galway. Well, thank you, Keith. Could I wish you the very best of luck as well, if you don't, if you don't mind as well. And in You might be down before the I will be down before that, but no. I, I hope to be, but if not, I'll certainly be on the phone. Super. But but just to wish you the very best of, of luck in the next phase of, of, of whatever you decide to do. Super duper. Minister, thank you for joining us today on the programme. Very good morning to God above. If the Minister stayed, he said he will join me on the phone, so he will answer all of your questions uh, as he was leaving. He has a, a, a very tight schedule today, starting at half nine, then five to ten, quarter past ten, ten past ten, and it's right through the day like that. Uh, Keith, uh, social homes, question mark. Yet I know people who are on a waiting list for the last ten years. How is that? Uh, Keith, we're a very educated Keith, and we see the wrong that wrong has been done on an ongoing basis when it comes to housing. Keith, I'm listening uh, to the minister here about what he said of the vacant homes grant. Our family bought a home, um, a vacant home, uh, 400 applications. How many actually got granted? They actually called us and said they lost our paperwork. Uh, by that stage, our builder had to start, so we would have to, so we would have a home as we were renting and paying a mortgage very frustrating system and needs to be looked at. And uh, the fact that the move of City Hall to Murview costing 49 million plus interest without first being um, put before City Councillors is a sign of local democracy was not um, in existence. Hi Keith, can you ask him, how are they going to offset carbon emissions from housing, cement, concrete, uh, the third highest emitter of CO2? And uh, Keith, the ring road plan is going against climate rules laid down by the EU what does Minister O'Brien say to that? And it just goes on and on and on and on. Hi, Keith, can you please ask the Minister if there's going to be sustainable transport links to the new housing at the port and indeed greenways uh, to get to the new Kent station? It needs to be designed from the very start or else it's going to be very hard to retrofit bus lanes or, or um, bike lanes. Anyway, let me move on today because now we've had the Minister for Housing. He's talking about all these houses that are going to be built, uh, but we need people to build them. And quite simply, we need talented people to build them. I'm joined in studio by Ken Farrer, who joins me, and we're looking at uh, apprenticeships, so we are, and uh, Ken sits up to me this morning. Ken, morning to you. 
Morning, Keith. How are you doing? Good to have you again. Thanks. So the minister is talking about all these units up and down and right across the country, but we need people to do so. Yes, Keith, and um, we are opening our new uh, workshop next month in Murview. Uh, we're opening it's our the first GRETB training centre yeah. in Murview. Uh, so we have four, four new workshops opening in March, and by the end of the summer we'll have another five, and that's to deal with the big demand in apprentices places, particularly electrical apprentices, and there is a wait list, so we're trying to tackle that wait list as much as we can, and with these new workshops in place, Hopefully by the end of the summer we'll be able to double the capacity there. And, and are you getting that. are you getting applications for apprenticeships? Yeah, there's huge demand for it at the moment, Keith. Um, throughout the country, and um, people are realising the benefits of apprenticeship too, and realising that you can get a, a great career out of it. Uh, it it sets you up for life. Um, a lot of people qualify as apprentices uh, and in their craft, be it electrical, plumbing, whatever it is and go back to college later too if, they, if they'd like to, or set up their own businesses or get into green technologies. You know, it's great. And uh, we see it up in our centre there, the, the joy and the apprentices when they come in and they're getting practical skills and practical training. So take it from today's day, the 19th of February 2024. If somebody decides that they want to do an apprenticeship, when will they be fully qualified? I don't want a specific date now, but time-wise. Well, apprenticeship has changed. Previously, it was a standard uh, four years, uh, 208 weeks in total. Um, but there have been some delays with some of them over the last while, and that's an offset from COVID when we had to shut down some of our uh, training facilities mm-hmm. around the country. Um, plus, the demand has really increased. It's the highest number of apprentices registered in the last year uh, since before the boom uh, in, in Ireland. So we're trying to deal with that demand, and hence we are opening our new facilities and um, we're trying to get some instructors as well too so we're looking for electrical uh, experienced electricians out there who may be interested in a career as an instructor and if they wanted to go onto the GRE to be website we have some positions that are available there just to help us meet that demand. Of course to train them you need the trainers exactly. and that's you need electricians who can teach. Yeah, and we'll provide uh, train the trainer for those uh, uh, instructors out there so they may not have uh, formal instructing experience but we'll bring them in and we'll put them on a, a path of development and uh, try and bring that, those skills into them so that they can train the next generation. So go back to my question then, how long will it be from today, Monday the 19th of February 2024, before they can set up their own business and go alone? Well, in an ideal world it'll take four years. Um, some of them are, uh, are going a bit longer now and Solace are responding by putting in various initiatives um, to, to, to meet that demand and try and get the, 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 the duration back to four years. And that's, again, why we're opening the facility. Why in is Murphy. it four years, can I ask? Well, it's a standard agreement for apprenticeship. It's always been a, a four-year apprenticeship for the, the what we call the craft apprenticeships. Okay. But there's various other ones there now, such as accountant, technician, insurance, logistics, and they range in, in, in duration from two years to four years as well. And different models there. But I suppose, I mean, and is there an upper age as to when people can join as an apprentice? No, there's no uh, there's no uh, age limit uh, on them. Uh, your standard apprenticeship, you need uh, five passes in your uh, junior cert and um, 16 uh, years of age uh, to start the craft ones there. But we would encourage students to stay in school and get their leaving cert. The profile generally of apprentices coming in is at least their leaving cert. But I mean, if they come out of school with their leaving cert at 18 years of age, they're qualified at 22. Yeah, and they're fully roughly. paid for those four years as well, you know, mm. for their apprenticeship. 
and they go they do go to college they go to two 10 week blocks in in ATU or up in our training center they get 22 week blocks as well so mm-hmm. they do have the mix of college real life experience as well that comes with an apprenticeship so when is your open day then uh, so this Thursday the 22nd up in the Clayton Hotel uh, we have a number of employers coming in uh, it's from 9.30 to 2pm uh, we have a number of employers who are looking for apprentices and they're hopefully we're going to meet them we have over 30 schools coming in as well and we'd really like to see some parents who might want to come in uh, people, the general public who are thinking about a career and apprenticeship come in, meet us, our instructors are going to be there the providers of the new apprenticeships as I said, such as uh, engineering, sports, tough, turf uh, management, arboriculture, and then our craft uh, uh, mm. providers are there, our instructors who do plumbing, electrical, carpentry, motor mechanics, so they'll all be there. So it's all there? It's all there on the day. It's our second year done, doing it. Last year we got great feedback from the public, so hopefully um, this year will be the same again. And uh, it's, it's, it's a great day, and if anyone has any interest in apprenticeship, come in for the day, talk to our people, and they can find out as much as they can. Now, no more than myself, Ken Farrer, you're around a while. So you are, you're around a while, but it must give you great pleasure to see them coming in and then graduating at the very end and know that the education and what the GRETB have done and you and the team in Murphy and, and elsewhere have done to get them on the right road. Yeah, and our, 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 the Irish apprenticeship system is one of the best, if not the best in the world, and people don't really realise how strong it is internationally uh, you know compared our apprentices when they're qualified can travel anywhere in the world you don't want them to we don't want them to but they want to experience it and they can go to australia new zealand canada america with these qualifications and 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 they're grabbing them they love them they know the skills that they have and there's great opportunities and they can make money and they can make money but we would like them to stay as well and because there's a demand you had the minister in earlier and you can see there's such a demand for craft men and women uh, there, so where sh- so um, they're going to be in the Clayton Hotel this coming Thursday, twenty uh, second of February, from nine thirty p.m. to two p.m. Mm-hmm. Is what you're going to be there. Can anybody just go along that's interested in an apprenticeship? Yeah, yeah. So you have you have to have a sponsor, don't you? Well, for your apprenticeship, but we have a number of employers who are looking for apprentices who are going to be there uh, on the day. So so we have a significant amount there too as well. So they can speak to anyone who might be looking for, as you said, a sponsor there um but there's also jobs available on apprenticeship.ie people can look at that there there's employers looking for apprentices there too as well mm-hmm. and we have over 30 schools coming so we have a lot of career guidance teachers coming there too as well so just to open the minds of the second level students mm-hmm. apprenticeship as a career for them without going into names or otherwise is it true that you had a father and son um join as apprentices yeah last year we had um uh, a father and a son both graduated together and did the apprenticeship so it's not just for young people we have older people coming in doing their apprenticeship we have lots of females taking their apprenticeships uh, too as well and um, so it, it is for everyone yeah well done best website to go to for, for details ken so apprenticeship.ie is uh, details for any apprenticeships uh, but if they want to see our come up to us to meet us in the clay and talk face to face we're going to be up there this thursday from half nine to two p.m Ken Farrar, thank you as always, Centre Manager indeed uh, with the GRDTP in Murphy and a fine location it is. Well done to you and well done the work that you've done the last year to create those new workshops as well. Quick commercial break, we're back just after these. Morning to you. (laughs) 
Now, very good morning to you. Welcome into today's uh, programme. The uh, comment lines are open if you do want to get through to us uh, today. We'd like to hear from you on 0917700077. And you can also 086-3833-553 if you want to get in contact uh, with us. We'd like to hear from you uh, today, so we would. Perfect. Not a bother. Uh, we've uh, some interesting comments coming in the way I have to say here today. Uh, Keith, you should have asked the minister. Ask the minister what? Uh, Keith, I went on a panel for teaching, but because I was on I was on JS, I was told by intro uh, that I couldn't do it. Uh, the course I did was with GRETB, and you should have asked him that, Keith. Shall we get, well, I'll, try, we'll give Ken a call. What What do you want me to ask Ken? If you tell me what you want me to ask Ken, I'll run out during the ad break, the next ad break, and I'll ask him. Just tell me what you want me to ask him, and I'll take it from there. Not a bother in the world. Uh, comment lines, though, today, 86 Don't forget, by the way, today as well, and uh, that Galway Greats is the wonderful Paul Hughes from the Abbey Glen Castle Hotel. So we finished in Leanan, which is an absolutely roaring success, I have to say. Great programme on Friday. And then I left Leanan about quarter past 12, and I went out to the Abbey Glen Castle Hotel and recorded Paul Hughes. And uh, what a legend. What an absolute legend of legends. Uh, so he's a Galway great. We've picked him as a Galway great. And if you want to nominate somebody indeed as a Galway great, feel, um, feel free to do so uh, to comments at galwaybfm.ie. That's comments at galwaybfm.ie if you want to nominate a Galway great as well. And then what we do is we sit down around the table and we make a decision as to who does what. Uh, but uh, Paul is today's uh, wonderful uh, Galway great. And I'm hoping to have some other characters indeed from Galway that have made Galway what it is. Uh, today, so I'm just hoping that we're going to get uh, some of those people and I'm hoping to record those during the week as well. So, if you want to nominate them, feel free to do so and you can do so to 091-77077. The comments are quite, quite heavy coming in today and uh, Keith, how many does it, uh, how, how many years does it take to get 70 grand grant for old houses? I don't know. I, I really don't know. Hotels and establishments are closing down all around the country, Keith, uh, to house refugees. No revenue coming into these areas. This is absolutely ridiculous and has to stop from there, this caller said. And uh, also, Keith, why didn't you ask the Minister all the questions that I sent you? Okay, I thought I tried to get through as many. No, we only had them for 10 minutes and he stayed for 20. Uh, But there you go. Uh, Keith, can you ask the uh, Minister uh, in relation to sustainable transport is there going to be sustainable transport on each of the greenways uh, in Galway? And that would make more sense, this caller said. And uh, Keith, you should have asked the Minister uh, about schools as well. Why are schools not being used uh, to house refugees and uh, sporting facilities rather than people in tents as well? So let's figure it through. Um, He was very strong on that, I have to say. Let me go to Russell Beck, who... um, has produced a wonderful book and he joins me on the line today. Russell, good morning to you. Hello, Russell. Thank you indeed for joining us today on the programme. Can, can you hear me all right there, Russell? Yeah, hi, how are you uh, doing? Good, good, good. We made contact with you. Thank you for joining us uh, today. Uh, the world of work uh, to 2030, I went through it at the weekend. and uh, There's a lot in it, so there is, Russell. How long did it take you to put together? <laughs> Don't be laughing at me like that. Um, I, mean, I did go through it, but I, no. <laughs> I didn't read it every page, to be honest. No, don't worry, don't worry. Um, it took me about months to write it, and then another two months 
to take that initial manuscript and turn it into the polished, finished article mm. with uh, a very big caveat uh, beforehand because a lot of my work over the last five, six years has been across all of those areas. So a lot of the content in it has been ideas, thoughts, concepts, models, etc. that I've been subconsciously and consciously working with over the five to six years. So it, it sounds like it didn't take me long to write, but the, the preparation of the ground um, took five to six years and it only took three to four months to write it. You dedicated to your wife and daughter. There mustn't have seen much of you, to be honest, because, I mean, there's quite a lot of information yeah. within it uh, from there. But what I loved about it was, to set the scene, you, you took us from where we came from and you took us to where we are, where we should be. But I loved your, the, at the very beginning, when you spoke about a mouse, a mouse was a furry thing that we didn't want to have in the house. I mean, you know, I'm of that generation that I remember all of that. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal, isn't it? The change that we've all experienced in our lifetimes. Yeah. And it's just getting faster. So a mouse, as you say, is something furry, and now it's something connected to a computer, but now we, you know, we're on the borderline of being able to control computers of our mind. And, yeah. yes, and your eyes yes, and everything Sounding the pace. Yeah, yeah. But, but do, do you reckon, I mean, um, you're looking at failure statistics and you went through an awful lot of uh, stuff in it, AI technology, that I had to skip through because I'm afraid of it. Um, but I mean, there, there, there is so much in it. Um, and again, this could be the roadmap to get to 2030. Yes, and in a way, and, and um, actually one of the people who endorsed it, uh, the CEO of the Institute of Leadership, mm -hmm. actually said um, that the book, kindly, I mean, his, his words, he said, um, the book does provide a roadmap. It, it, it does provide a way and this is the way we should be doing things in 2030 and that's a direct quote from him yeah um yeah there, there is a lot there's obviously a lot there and my my goal was to do the heavy lifting for people so to look at the trends that are going out as you've identified and then actually that, that, that's interesting maybe intellectually more than anything but but actually, I wanted to answer the question, so what? You know, yeah. What does that mean? What can, what can we actually do? And you said yourself, you know, the technology, it can be scary Very. and threatening, if you like. So actually, what can we practically do, given everything that's going on? And that was the goal of the book. Well, a few weeks ago, if not months ago, I went to a beautiful museum here, um, the Computer Museum in University of Galway. But you touch on it in the book where you say that the power of computers is doubling on an annual basis. Like we now look at, we remember the, the, the original computers. Now our mobile phone is stronger than any one of those and yet it's getting stronger on, a, on an annual basis. Yeah. It's, I mean, that, that's Moore's law. Um, uh, Gordon Moore, founder, CEO of Intel, uh, who said, I think it was 64, certainly around that time frame, that you know, the overall processing power of computers have doubles every yes. 12, 18, 24 months, and it's done it for 50, 60 years. And, and we fail to realize what that means. And, and I say it in the book, that means the gain a computer will make in the next 18 months is the difference between a stock
stone tablet in one hand, you know, the Ten Commandments, if you like, in one hand, and the best tablet money can buy from any computer company, Apple et al. The difference between the stone tablet and that the best you can buy tablet today is how much a computer will gain in the next 12 to 18 months. Astounding. When I was um, going through the book, indeed, do you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm cheeky as well. I might as well be quite honest with you, uh, Russell. Um, I, I love to look at the references at the back of it because then it kind of tells you for such a technical yeah. book like this. But I mean, the references went on forever and ever and ever. And even to write the references, <laughs> even to write the references must have taken a few weeks because it just goes on forever and ever and ever. And you look at Sheen, you look at Sheen, the largest, and then you look at electricity consumption. You, you looked at everything. Um, you left no, pardon the pun, no stone unturned. Yeah, you've, you've identified, I think, the single biggest challenge was all the references. There's over 400. Um, <laughs> I didn't count them, I promise which, you. No, I, I, I had the, the misery, if you like, or delight. Or, <laughs> yeah. um, and getting those references correct in order and everything mm. is, is, was one of the hardest things in actually refining the manuscript. But, and it was, if I was going to write a book about something, I wanted it to be right. I wanted it to be good. And so I oh, draw right. on numerous, mm. like, you know, you're drawing numerous diverse commentaries and backgrounds and, and, and you know, assimilating it, almost magpie-like, I guess, if you like, to actually try and make sense of what's going on. Would you did that? I mean, it's brilliantly put together. A humongous amount of work gone into it. So you did dedicate it to your wife and uh, daughter because they didn't see you for so long, Russell. Who were you targeting and where can they get this book now? Can I ask you, Russell Beck? Who was I targeting? I was targeting at one level almost anyone who is interested about the future and what that means for us um, on a work, personal level. Yeah. So anyone who has an interest in actually trying to get ahead, trying to understand what's happening and therefore plan, have some control. Okay. You know, so I think I said in the book, I'd, I'd rather be done to, the, I'd rather do than be done to. Yeah. And so therefore, it, by extrapolation, it, it applies to business leaders, managers, um, leaders of people uh, in business and of business to, to try and help them future-proof their businesses and make them future-ready. Okay. It's called The World of Work uh, to 2030, A Practical Guide to Future-Proofing Your Business and Your Career. Russell Beck, thank you for joining us uh, today. Are you coming to Ireland to send copies anytime soon, briefly? I'm in Ireland next week, actually, as luck would have it. Okay. I'll be in Dublin. Well, if they want to get it, we'll tell them where to go in Dublin. Listen, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Russell Beck. Thank you for joining us uh, today on the programme. It's called The World of Work to 2030. It is... It, it's not something you've got to sit down on a Saturday and Sunday and read fully, but it's something that you, you read over time, as I did, and uh, you will enjoy it.